0: Welcome to the Backstreet Boys. We are back for our second edition of the podcast. My name's Matt Wood and I won't be
1: with you today, but I'm leaving you in the very, very capable hands of Jodie, Beo and Claire with the World Championships in London coming up very soon. We've got some exciting stuff
0: coming up today on this podcast. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt. Um, so it's just after two this week to begin with anyway. I'm Bayo. I'm Jodie and we're the Backstreet Boys. So, this week we're going to be having a little chat about what's gone on last weekend. It was a very busy weekend in athletics. Um, we had the American Trials. Yep. We had the European Team Championships for what they were worth. <laughs> was it the Jamaican Trials? As Jamaican well? Trials were on as well, yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the European Cup, okay? <laughs> now, Team Championships. Team Championships, yeah. Sorry, I wouldn't want to get it muddled up with that great competition that we used to have. Um, <laughs> many years back, We used to always go to the European Cup, as it was then. Uh, We used to take our mum. We went for about 10 years in a row. Um, We stopped a while back, um, and this weekend proved why. I've never been so bored by two days' worth of athletics in my entire like life of watching the sport, which I adore, you know, as I always say, I will watch the hammer qualifying, no problem. I would watch the hammer qualifying on a loop rather than have to sit through <laughs> that thing again. But the thing is, the problem, now there's individually some good performances. Oh no, i not knock, knocking knock, knock the individual performances. But the fundamental flaw for me is everyone's forgotten that it's a team championship. 100%. So there's no point. It used to be, if you're the... Used to be, I was going to say the hammer throwers. We've got good hammer throwers now. Yeah. But say back in the day, if you were the hammer thrower and you come seventh instead of eighth, yeah, that's brilliant. You've got one more point than expected. And if you're supposed to win and you come second, oh, it's a little bit, yeah. there's no, none of that tension anymore. No one has a clue what's going on. It's sorts of individual events that no one seemed to care where they came. There was no, no strategic thinking. There was no... A lot of that, for example, in um, in the long-distance races, you'd always put a 1,500-meter runner in the 3,000 because yes. you know it's going to be slow and therefore they've got a good sprint finish. None of that kind of thinking went on at all. We At the end, we didn't seem to care whether we came fourth or third overall. The 4x4 four four relay was an absolute shambles. Not blaming individual athletes Absolutely because not. I know someone got put in at the last minute. But why didn't we have a backup for the 400? But, I, I have an explanation either. No one comes out and explains anything. I have a... You actually put... Something you said really important just a minute ago. You said it was really, it used to be really important if you got seven points um, instead of eight. Of course, now it's not seven and eight, it's like 11 and 12. Um, because we have that ridiculous scenario where things are done over two events. Now, please, President Sven, you know how much we love you, yeah? You know how much we love you. You are the savior of athletics to us. Please sort this out. Um, Nobody wants to sit through two individual races, which of no. course are um, different win speeds. but no, um, Never they... mind that. In the 4x4 relay, the people in the <laughs> B finals, yes. the first three teams in the B final, ran faster than the winner of the A final. Whoever crossed the line first, celebrating, they've won. No, you haven't. You've actually come fourth. fourth yeah. And now we've got to go back and look at the previous heat and combine the times to see what the overall scores are. It's just a mess. And it was also really boring. Yeah. You know, it was just really boring. If you think back in the day... Now, I have a major issue here. And again, there's maybe a reason for it, but it's not one that we're aware of. Now, I have a major problem here. Back in the day, all the big stars would come out for the European Cup. It was a really big deal. People yeah. would set world records there, you know. Um, now, I know the trials are next week for Britain, you know. But that doesn't, that, that doesn't explain why across the board, big stars weren't there from all the countries... Um, And to me, in Britain, it's one race. In Lille, you know, we're not asking people to go to, where's that chebuk or somewhere, that place in the middle of nowhere in Russia where they sometimes hold it. We understand why people don't want to go there. But it can't be more than two hours away, Lille you may have a um, a, um, championship next week that you want to qualify for the team. But there were big, big stars who were going to get in the team anyway. It would not have been out of the question for you to compete. Sally always used to compete. Linford always used to compete. Colin, Jonathan, back in the 90s, you would have our big, big stars there because we wanted to win. It was a prestigious thing to win. But also, if you're in such precarious shape that you can't compete two weekends in a row, you might as well not be competing. Mm. Oh, they're just going to turn up next weekend and hope for the best. Well, and no, but so no what also then happens is you get to the trials, you qualify, but don't have necessarily the qualifying stand, and then you have to run around the next two Well, no, you will all be at the Diamond League it. the weekend, you'll have one chance. One left. chance, yeah. Um, so it's like, it's just just infuriating from a fan's perspective, you know, and we're all, we always talk about the fans, that's why we're here. We know what people are talking about on Twitter, we know what our own feelings are, and just quickly to round off the European Cup, because we could run to Team, Team Championships. Team Championships. <laughs> Because we could wrap forever. If you're on UK funding, how are we having to go back to the 10th, 11th, 12th ranked person in Britain to get them there? Shouldn't it be something that says if you're getting paid by UKA, if they give you a vest and tell you to wear it, unless you're injured, you turn up and bloody well wear it. And you should be proud to do so. Yeah. Now, I understand they're... As I keep saying, there's probably valid reasons for individuals, but there cannot be valid reasons for like you know us having to go back to like the ninth person in ranked in Britain in order to compete. Um, the long and the short of it is, it needs changing because at the moment, even we don't want to watch, and that really says something. Yeah.
2: I cram not making any attempt to go with that pace, and the big three are content to wait and watch
0: each other. The other thing, obviously, that happened last weekend um, on the other. A side a bit of the Atlantic, but also the other kind of side of the championships is the American trials, yes, of where everyone has to turn out. Yes. You've got oh, no, no choice. <laughs> you have no choice. You have to turn out even if you're already qualified, don't you? You have to show your face. Yep. At least, which, which is, um, is what um, Christian Taylor did in the triple jump. He did one, one, one jump and then he, yeah. he's already qualified. Um, but you have to show your face, which is something that we need to do at our trials 100%. as well. But the American trials was very strange. Well, it's that post-Olympic year, isn't it? Yeah. So in America, nobody gives a shit about athletic or track and field, as they say, unless it's the Olympic year. So what you have is the big, big stars coming out wanting to win their gold medal last year. And this year, the World Championships are on. It's important, but it's nowhere near as important. And you just have this huge turnaround, you know, this huge... Um, Influx of new people and a lot of the old guard just kind of fell by the wayside. Well, I've got three names for you. Okay. Eric Footch, Michael Stigler, and TJ Holmes. Just guess what event they've all qualified in. Well, I <laughs> guessed the 800 metres, didn't I? And it turned out I was totally wrong because they're apparently 400 hurdlers. Um I've never heard of any of them. I've heard of one of them vaguely. But um, they're the three who qualified. Yeah. So no Olympic champion. No. No world number one. No. They, oh, so where. What, well, what Sean, happened? Sean um, Baxter wasn't there. Michael Tinsey wasn't there. Kermon um, Clement um, was out in the final. Um, Johnny Dutch. These are all the names. When I saw the semi-finals, I thought, oh, well, this will be fine. And this is what we get. Which is exciting in a way. But it's also frustrating From you know, when we want to see the, the best compete. But, but what's even more frustrating is we've got to learn all these new names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and actually sounds like we know what we're talking about when clearly <laughs> we don't. Um, there was a lot of great performances, though. Talking of four hurdles. Oh, the women's four hurdles was, was absolutely insane. Three women under 53 seconds, six women under 54 seconds, yeah. world um, best place times for third, fourth, fifth, I mean, I don't know. Um, I saw that result and actually had to go and double check what the world record was <laughs> because I knew I knew that there was three women under 53, um, but I thought that can't be right, so I thought, "Am I, am I going mad? And it wasn't necessarily the ones... You thought? I mean, Cory Carter's come back out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Ashley Sp- Spencer. Spencer, yes. Um, yeah. Olympic bronze medalist and probably world number one this year, didn't qualify. She was fourth. And I saw her tweet afterwards. It was like fifty-three twelve, I think. Yeah. No, 54. 53 53 12, 12, yeah. And doesn't qualify. I yeah. mean, that's ridiculous because that would win most championships. So that was one event that was definitely worth looking at. The men's pole vault. Yeah, over six metres. Yeah, Sam Kendrick's that, isn't it? Which was, I saw six metres looks fantastic and I think Rennell just got his hands full this year oh uh, the thing is with Reynold <laughs> bless him on a good day he is head and shoulders yeah. literally above everybody else but he's so inconsistent yeah. Hasn't, he's never won, never won the world championship? never won the world championships the other event that was really good was the men's shot put Ryan Prowzer yeah, oh my god they've just got such high standard haven't they but I, I, there's another lot of people who I can't tell the difference between well no I know no, I know all three of these it's just there's a really high turnover so every year we get another one so Ryan Krauser Joe Kovacs, Ryan Whiting um, fantastic know, all that, know who those are, but next week one of them will be out. next year, one of them will be out, and another one will be. Out. But the 2265 it. is the best um, throw since 2003. Wow, and sir. in that 2003 throw by Kevin Toff is a bit controversial because he, he, he failed a drug test the same year. So there are also some big names who qualified <laughs> yes, that's moaning about new <laughs> <laughs> So we've got, um, uh, for example, Will Clay to 1791 yes, in, amazing. in yeah. the triple, triple jump, um, uh, Emma Je- Coburn, Jenny Simpson, um, AJ mm-hmm. Wilson. Evan Jager oh, and Kendra Harrison made it this oh. time, fantastic, you know. So she can show us what she's actually um, can really do on the main stage. So there's still a sort of very hardcore of very good Americans there who are going to clean up lots of medals. They once are, are oh.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyway, that's enough of us chatting because we've got a very busy schedule this week. We have, yes. So in celebration of Women in Sports Week, we've done a little heptathlon special, and I've talked to one of those people who've contributed to Britain's success. Three-time Olympic, three yeah, three-time
1: Olympic medalist Kelly Southerton So we've been having a little ch- chat here about the heptathlon and the really amazing performances that have already started this year with three people over six thousand eight hundred. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Wow. It's- I'm just pretty pleased that I've had my time Um, (laughs) (laughs) because it it was a bit amazing. I think it was um, a stunning start to the athletic season, really, because I really do think got starts its start the whole athletic season. Um, I mean, the most impressive was, yes, Nassi scored over 7,000. I don't think anybody didn't think that she couldn't do that, but it was the German and the Latvian who, yeah. like, bowled me over yeah. with their amazing performances, um, to score 6-8 and still come there that got 6-8. <laughs> pretty unknown. You're normally winning it with that. Yeah. And it just shows you that they've actually stepped up from last year. And yeah. that's what you want to see. You want event to step up. Now, it, it's it's so good to see. It's, it makes it more exciting because now, even though Matthew won that, um, she still has to look over her shoulder because it means two girls for sure can score as much as what she did when she won the Olympics and so she knows that she has to be on song to win
1: the World Championships this summer. I think what's so impressive about all of them is their consistency across all the events um, and then and their bankers like Nafiu in the javelin through nearly 60 meters. So they're consistent in their like their weaker events, but also on their strong events they're really really strong.
3: Everyone does have a weakness. Obviously Nafiu for her is probably her running the two and the eight. But compared to what other people's weaknesses are, that they're okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, she will. I mean, I'm pretty sure she will improve on them as she gets a little bit older. But I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't score more because potentially she could easily only jump 190 but then still go and run 23-8 in the 200 but she's lost a good 100 points in the high jump Um, But yeah, consistency is key. There's a few events that obviously in the last, I think since 2012 there's one event that's improved in
1: every hip athlete and that is the Javelin Right. What's Um, what's going on there? Because the Javelin was never an event, apart from maybe Denise who always threw really far you didn't win with the javelin. You could maybe lose out with the javelin, but yeah, it wasn't one of those events. <laughs> it wasn't one of those events that you gained loads of points on and suddenly she scored over over a thousand points and that's what really put her over over seven thousand.
3: I know, there's been there's always been like one or two every year that can throw the jab, but they're not generally always the ones that are scoring high. Yeah. I mean the one in my time was Margaret Simpson, yeah. I mean who's like five foot two and can throw fifty six. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, if you get the one or two, uh, it used to be more probably long jump and 800. In my time, there were a lot of girls running 278 Mm who started to run that fast. And I just probably think now that someone like Schaefer and Laura and um, Natty will start a revolution in javelin throwing um, in Heptathlon because they'll realise that as the event, you have to to absolutely master. and so, you know, my best, if you're throwing between 40 and 45, that's pretty much okay, yeah. pretty good. Now, you know, if you're throwing 45, that's near, you know, that's nothing. uh um, you know, you have to be throwing basically 50 metres, uh, really, to have an opportunity of being, uh, a really good heptathlete. it's not the, to say that you can't do that with 40 metres, obviously you can, but wow, that's, it's 20 points a metre. Yeah. So 10 metres is 200 points right away, and you're given to the opposition. It, it,
1: it's crazy. Now, you famously had some issues with specifically the traveling. Yeah. Um, and psychologically, how difficult is that? Because Kat has, um, KJT, has the same issues with her throws. And does how much pressure does that put on your other events? And how do you let that affect you or not let that affect you, hopefully?
3: Obviously, Kat has had a weakness in her flows, and she's trying to overcome it privately and yes. in the training. And I can completely pretty guarantee she does okay in training. She yes. does really well. And when you're put into a stressful situation, which is like a, a competition, things that you never even do in training happen yes. because stress causes issues and causes you to become weak and think of things and do things that you wouldn't normally do. Now, when the media and people con- consistently bring it up in interviews or an in article that you read or you have to answer questions to, it keeps you reminding you of the negativity and that then it becomes in you and you fight it. It's quite hard. I mean, if I was around competing when there was social media, I mean, I would have got buried every day. And I didn't like the fact that even some pundits are still bur- trying to bury KJP. Yeah. The budget. Obviously she trains hard for it yeah. and obviously she tries to do something about it. I know oh. that from speaking to Mike, yeah. our, our previous coach, so I know there's not a lack of effort going of in there. Yeah. When you're in the pressure pot, it's not everyone's weakness and it's not everyone's problem and then it, it becomes, that little problem becomes the size of a volcano, it, it, it just expands yeah. into something that it shouldn't be. Um, you know, So for someone like that, I am—I know that she's addressing those issues and I know she's getting over them and it's just how she gets over them. So something like what she even got it is okay. She knows it's not good enough. But I expect her to go and improve. So I'd expect her to throw more out the heck because that's how you learn your trade yeah. is doing more outside of your actual event um, to learn what it is to deal with the stress. Um, and then once you do that enough, you will hope that you'll see an improvement actually in a heptathlon. Well, what I thought That's was really, what I hope to
1: see. Yeah, and what I thought was positive was that she, didn't, she only set one PB, which was in the hurdles, but she set an overall heptathlon PB, which means yes. she's putting together the seven events better than normal. So I'm, I see so many positives, even just her demeanor this year was so much more positive. It was nice to see her smile and be really happy, and I think that all goes into the overall performance.
3: I think we have to be reminded that she's made a ma- massive life change, yes. too. And um, so moving from her beloved Liverpool to the south of France, I mean, I'd love to live in the south of France love <laughs> in Liverpool. Sorry, Liverpool people. Um, but you know, it's a massive uproot and a lot of change. So actually, she's dealt with it really well. Yeah. Yeah. All she has to do is just improve just a little bit on the other five events. And there you go, there's an easy hundred points just gone. Yeah. So you're in basically six days. Yeah. So that's all she has to do. But it is consistency. She doesn't have... To, it'd be great if she can smash her PBs out of the park. You know, in reality, is that going to happen at a champ? Probably not. But if she could even top a couple of them, even just hit a long jump yeah. a little bit more, just get more confident and be able to run the hell out of the 800 that she, <laughs> that she can do because she's done it, yeah. then, you know, it all goes well. But we, she, I think we just put so much pressure yeah. on our athletes and we still have to remember she's really... Even though she's been around... Um, She's still quite young, and she's still learning. I think we all know that she can do it, yeah. it's whether she will do it, And um, but we all believe in her. Yeah, I just hope she believes as much as we do. Absolutely. So, absolutely. And you're actually not against anybody else either. You're only against yourself, mm-hmm. the tape, the gun, the stopwatch, and, and it's all you're against, because it is only all about you. You cannot control what anyone else is. It's not like you're on an 800 meter tactical and it's the first three past the post. All about what you do. It's only about your lane and about your effort. And whoever's just put seven events best together the best, obviously wins. It's just as simple as that. It's not as difficult as being a ta- doing tactical
1: races. Mm-hmm. Kelly, mm-hmm. thank you so much for chatting to us. Um, it was a pleasure. Thanks for all your um, insights into mm-hmm. the pattern. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you again over the summer. I'm sure you will. <laughs> thank you very, very much.
2: getting worried because they're not following the pace. I don't think Steve Pram is anxious to follow the pace. He knows he's there
0: to be shot at at the moment. <laughs> Jodie, she's always got a lot to say. It's always great to, to interview Kelly. And what's great is also she's really contributing back into the sport she as well is, yeah. as, a, as a coach, but also because of the Athletics Commission, which she's organised, which we'll talk to her about later in the year. Yeah. In recent years, the Heptathen has been far and away Britain's most successful um, athletics event. In fact, we've had success going way, way back to like Mary Peters and Mary Rand, exactly, back in the 60s and 70s. So I spoke to someone who's contributed to that success, uh, my good friend, Louise Hazel. So here I am with Olympian and Commonwealth champion, Louise Hazel. Um, Welcome to the Backstreet Boys.
1: Oh, thanks
3: for having me.
0: My favourite. Oh, you're you're more than welcome. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Um, So tell us, how did you first get into the heptathlon?
4: Um, It was a number of things, really. Uh, I obviously did a lot of sport at school. I was already, I think... You know, participating in various different sports every day of the week. I think it was gymnastics, trampolining, netball, hockey, and a bit of football and tennis at one point. I think I even tried rugby once, which Mm was um, funny. Uh, But, yeah, no, I was definitely uh, an all-rounder. I knew that from a very young age. Uh, My father was actually a bit of a runner when he was younger, more um, 800 meters middle distance. Um, but he encouraged me to go down to my, my local track in um, March in Cambridgeshire. And that was very much my first introduction to athletics outside of obviously school sport. And I remember joining the distance group, which was a big mistake. <laughs> and then I realised, you know, after a few weeks that I was probably a more natural sprinter and we just added event by event and dabbled and You know, did a bit of swimming and jumping as well. And then I kind of had a natural affinity for um, just picking up new skills. And so when I moved to a bigger club, Peter Athletics Club, um, I went and joined a multi-events group. And I just kind of felt like I was at home, constantly busy, you know, trying new things and and learning new skills. It was was a great introduction to the ball.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, you eventually ended up um, competing for for virtual Harriers which have this kind of amazing um tradition in the the multi events. Um going back to like Judy Simpson, Clover Court, um Denise Lewis of course, Kelly Sutherton, um, Julie Holman and yourself who
1: all competed internationally for Britain. When you started there, were you aware of their tradition and success in the event?
4: Well, I actually chose Birmingham um at the time based on coaching. And at that point I was kind of already in the multi event system and going to national squads and things like that. So I was aware of Darrell Bunn and Tony Michello and all of the great coaches that this country has had in, in combined events, John Cotty as well. And um so for me it was very much a decision based on what coach I wanted to go to. And it just so happened that the Midlands has such such a strong calibre and um you know, history with combined events. And so it was kind of um just a natural choice. I kind of ended up there very much by, you know, making effectively a good decision. I wanted to go to university and, you know, Birmingham University Of course I studied in French studies, but I also wanted and I knew that I wanted to go and work with, with Daryl Bunn and the girls there. So, for me, it was an easy decision, but to be around the likes of Julie Holman and Kelly Sutherton just kind of made that decision much easier because you're already kind of training and looking up to and, and working in the shadow of all of those great athletes that have gone before.
1: Sure,
0: and Darrell Bum was, of course, um, Denise Lewis's um, coach at one point. And was she an inspiration to you growing up?
4: 100%. Yeah, um, I think you know both Jess and I were probably that the the age group to follow in Denise's footsteps, and probably you know the first kind of breakthrough athletes, with the exception of of Kelly and uh, and Denise uh, Kelly and Julie, sorry, that were you know, not so far behind and age wise with Denise. But I think um it was definitely inspirational. I remember my PE teacher back in uh Cambridgeshire actually giving me like a huge life size poster of Denise Lewis. Hmm. I think it might have been at maybe the Sydney Olympics in two thousand and she had that one arm kind of all in one gut yeah. uh like all in one suit. She just looked Incredible, strong, beautiful, and everything that I wanted to be as a, you know, a young woman who was massively engaged in sport and heptathlon at that time, I very much looked up to her um, as a role model, um, not only as an athlete but also as a woman.
0: Now, you ended up, of course, being the 2010 Commonwealth Champion, which follows in a great tradition that we've had in that Games. Um, Mary Peters won it twice, um, Judy Simpson won, um, Denise Lewis won twice, Kelly Sutherland, of course, won, and you followed on for that. That must have felt great to know that that was kind of the lineage that you were um, joining.
4: It was amazing, and I didn't really realise until after the event. Um, I remember turning up at Birchfield Harriers for an awards evening, and we managed to get four of us there together, oh, wow. Kelly, uh, Judy and Denise. And so I have that photo of us four Commonwealth gold winners from Birchfield Harriers, which to me is just incredible. Yeah. But like you know, for that um, accolade and that medal to go to Birchfield Harriers, you know, on more than four occasions is just insanity. It makes you wonder what they've been putting in the water.
1: Well, that's just what I was going to ask. I mean, what do you think it is that's
0: right the way back since the '94, um, sorry, the 64 Olympics when Mary Rand won a silver medal? We, of course, won gold with Mary Peters in 1972. So going all the way back to that time, uh, Great Britain has been great in this particular event. Uh, we've medaled in every Olympics now since 1996. So that's six Olympics in a row. Um, and a lot of those medals, of course, have come from Birchwood itself. So what do you think it is about mm. this particular event and the Britain that has made us so successful?
4: I think... I think it's obviously like coaching is obviously where it's at. You know, you don't get an outstanding athlete without an outstanding coach and one that's committed. And so I think that you know the the support system that has been set up at Birchfield for years and years and years. And I always remember Dow talking about Eddie could do it. And so there are lots yeah. of you know almost unsung heroes of the sport that enabled athletes to shine and you know, be financially supported. I, obviously, in the build-up to London 2012 and also in the Commonwealth, reached out to 12 local sponsors in Birmingham that helped me get to London 2012. Without them, it just wouldn't happen.
1: Sure. And there are
4: very few communities in the UK that will nurture an athlete like that. And that was massively imperative. And I know that one of my sponsors mentioned that Denise Lewis also did that same thing. And so I think that there's a culture in Birmingham to... Um, look after one another. It's very much uh, a community vibe, and also down at Birchwood Harriers as well. You know the things that they've been able to put in place in the build-up to London, supporting their athletes better has just been great. So I think it's you know fundamentally the talent itself naturally gravitates towards Birmingham because of the facilities and the you know the location as well being central England. It's very easy to get to, and whilst I know Kelly for example myself and Julie weren't originally from the area we all kind of gravitated there and second to my second point because of the coaching and then we stayed there and were able to develop as athletes because of the support and making sure that an athlete has you know the accessibility to a sport the coaching and the funding is imperative to, to them achieving success
1: certainly all done us, us you know UK supporters proud um now just quickly what, what are you to at the moment you're you're calling me from LA aren't you
4: I am. I just moved out here three uh, weeks ago, so I'm kind of fresh meat um, in LA at the moment. I've just finished filming a an MTV show, um, so the final show was literally just a couple of nights ago, and it's called The Challenge. It's uh, very much reality TV. There was 10 professional athletes versus 10 cast members from previous um, series. It's a long-standing show in the US. It's like 20 years long, so it's a bit like... Um, gladiators, except the stars of the show are everyday people. And so MTV thought it'd be hilarious to put the everyday cast members up against professional athletes to see how they fared. And needless to say, you know, we wiped the floor with them on some (laughs) events, but then we also got our butts kicked in others. It was an absolute bloodbath. It was hilariously funny, a real leveler, and a wicked introduction to um, uh, the US production. Um, so I'm, you know, very honoured and, and lucky to be a part of it. And
1: best of luck with that, and I'll certainly be looking for it online. Thanks ever so much for speaking to us, Louise, and um, all the best for your upcoming um, adventures in showbiz. My pleasure. Keep up the hard work, boys. Love we'll, you. Will do. Thanks a lot, Bye-bye. <laughs> but the big
0: Brazilian, training
2: Steve Graham at the moment, who looks as though he's running well and
0: easy. So we've talked a lot about the heptathlon this year, but we thought it'd be better to go and speak to a real expert and find out why it's got such enduring appeal. Who better to ask than the Queen of multiple Multi events fans, creator of Gottsies Fantasy Lucky Dip, and the host of Trackastic, Gabby Piacini, who you probably know best on Twitter as at Smoky Mozzarella.
3: Uh, that's quite the title. That's quite the title But it's true.
1: It's very true. <laughs> what is it that you love most about the multi events?
3: Um I'm quite an organised person, and I'm quite a multitasker, and I like athletics. So the multi events are basically just um optimum. Programme Management! <laughs> 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 ultimate programme management! So, no, not so,
5: what
3: I would expecting. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's something that appeals to that bit of my brain that, that thinks, oh, I've got a number of different projects on the go here. So the other thing I really like about the multi events is that over the course of two days of action, you really get to, to know the athletes involved. So it's not that you're uh, watching an athlete and then don't see them compete for another week. You just see people going from event to event, whether it's the seven or two days or the, or the ten or the decathlon, and you just really see how the athletes respond to um, the new challenge that's placed in front of them every couple of hours. You just really see just the discipline and how they can pick themselves up from for a good performance or a bad performance and then focus what's in front of them. And I really like how um, multi-eventers temperaments come out when you're watching it over two days. You really feel that you kind of go through every throw and every run and every jump with them. And obviously
1: your love for the Moles events, you started out with Got This Fantasy Lucky Dip, <laughs> which is <laughs> taking yeah. on a life of its own now.
3: It is. It's growing so much. So this is the third year that, I, that I've done it. There are loads of fantasy competitions out there where you have to pick a team and think about form and how people are going to perform. And this is a little bit different. You quite literally get a lucky dip that you could get. You could get a Damien Warner, you could get um, a Katerina Johnson-Thompson, but you could actually also get um, some new athletes, whether it's some that have just made the... A transfer from the junior leagues or just lesser known athletes and you get points according to where each athlete finishes in each event so you could have an athlete who's not great in nine events but is really good in one event and they'll still get you some points so the point of fantasy golf is lucky dip is you get four completely random athletes and you get to cheer them on and you get to follow their progress over two days you don't need to be au with all the scoring tables. You don't need to be on top of form books. It's really inclusive that everyone has an equal chance of winning. Ashton and Brianne supported it in its first year, which was a bit of a shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that kind of put it to a new level. And Kelly Sutherton supported it last year, which was fantastic. Um, we're having probably about 120 infants wow. a goal, um, which is which is given that I'm basically doing it with a pen and paper (laughs) from my living room, it is quite a challenge, but loads of people are involved, and and so they really get behind athletes that they might not otherwise have followed, and I think that's, that's kind of the beauty of the competition. Absolutely. I mean, most of the people who listen to your podcast will be big Athletics fans, but there are still new names coming through, and what I'm trying to do with these competitions is really just create a broader fan base, for some, for some lesser known athletes.
1: Well, let me just say from the fans, thank you very much for doing that. You, you <laughs> are putting a lot of work into this and like the um, London one, it's gonna be loads of work for you for your pen and paper, but we are very grateful <laughs> for that. Thank you very much.
2: They're all gathering now, as they come round to the bell. What
0: we really need to do is get down to the numbers and work out what people need to do, what score's high and what cat's gonna to have to do to get a medal, medal in London. So we spoke to our very good friend on Twitter and heptathlon expert, uh, he's at s a SAPrior on Twitter, but we call him Steve. I
5: think it's going to be a great test uh, on in London. I think the main contenders um, really are going to be the top four um, from GOTSIS this year. So, Tian, Schaefer, I- uh, Okunicha, and, and Kat. So, all four finished in the top six in Rio as well. Um, it was a bizarre um, event in GOTSIS. We saw a big jump in scores for all those four contenders. Kat jumped around 150 points. Tiam and Ukenicha jumped around 200 and, and Shaffer around 300, so it was absolutely perfect conditions and we saw some great results. So Tiam, I think she's definitely gold medal favourite. She's been on everyone's radar for the years. She obviously broke through the last year. Um, she's just gone from strength to strength. Maybe the 800 metres is still a slight weak event, but um, she'll have a big lead by then. We would we would imagine. Um, she's gone from a, a very mediocre 13.8 hurdler at the start of last year, to 13.5 in Rio, 13.3 now in Gotsis. She was a high 25 second 200-metre runner. She's now getting close to 24. And her lung jump, uh, I mean, is now an outstanding event for her. So I think she's is really probably favourite at the moment. Um Then we've got Okunicca, who I'm going to call Laura. Um, she's been consistent for a number of years. And like PM, again, she's improved across all of her events. She, she's still slightly weak in the shot put. Um, her high jump is inconsistent, but she's, she's very competitive and she always seems to raise her game on a big occasion. Um, Schaefer um, did a massive score in, in Gotsis as well. Um, she's changed coaches since Rio. She, again, she's improved all of her, her events. She's a, a 13-0 hurdler now. Um, her shot put is very strong. Her long jump used to be very average. and um, That's now uh, a good event for her. She's a bit like TM, she's got a weak 800, but she's been super consistent again this, this year in her individual events, so I think she's definitely one to look out for. And then, of course, we've got we've got Kat. So it's great to see Kat enjoying her athletics again. She looked really positive in got this. She was in, in really good form. Um, her shot put's coming on really well. I think her hurdles will drop. We know she can do a 13-1. The speed is fantastic. Um, she's you know brilliant in the 200 meters. Um, I think the crucial event for her, and she knows this is the long jump. So this really should be her not so secret weapon. Uh, this is where she should be jumping 20, 30 centimeters ahead of her opposition and really gaining points back. Um, now at the moment, um, the other girls are, are jumping on a par with Kat in the long jump. So. If she can get back to her, her best form, um, it will make a big difference. She had a, a long no jump in Gotthis of around 680, and that really would have been another 100 points. And then if she were to have run 208 instead of 211, that's another 45 points. So already, she's on to 6840. You know, up there is what Schaefer scored. Uh, and that's a score that would have run in, you know, won in Rio. So all Kat needs to do, really, is replicate what she had in Gotsis and nail a long jump. And she really can, you know, get to 6'8". And, and who's to say that that TM, you know, is is going to be in 7,000 again. She may be back down to 6'8". So Kat's definitely got a chance. Um, I think outside those top four, the next kind of contenders are probably the two Americans. So at the US Champs, we saw Williams, uh, and Bogard, they both scored mid 6-5. I think Erika Bogard actually is, is the biggest threat. She did a 192 high jump at the US Champs. Had she replicated that in Gotsis and not hit the last hurdle like she did, she'd have been over 6-7 as well. So she, she's definitely got potential if she can put it together. I think Kendall Williams, who is the US Champ, um, she's already done three um, heptathlons this year. I think she'll be tired to come, come to London. But I think it it's really going to be a battle between the top
0: four in Gothic and it's going to be a great competition don't
2: do this and he's gone desperately early
0: right so thank God someone is there to help us out when we need to know the numbers um, now it was women's sport week last week um which to be fair, I mean even at all these years, it's really really important because. Here we are still in a spot, in a position, where women just aren't remotely equal in sport as they should be. Athletics is at least one of the events where we're almost on parallel. And you can say in athletics, like the big names in British athletics over the last few years yeah. have been women. It's been yeah. Paula, it's been Jess, it was Denise. So that is the one sport where women do get as much attention as men. Um, so athletics, I think, is one of the one of the good sports. Yes. And we've had some very big names. But in, in lots of the other sports, not only do women not get the opportunities in football, in cricket, in rugby, all this. In all of them. In all of them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but even when they do, when the women win the world cricket or something, the papers don't even write no. about it. It's not on the front page. It's not even on the back page. No. It's like literally invisible. Yeah. On that note, the Backstreet Boys roving reporter Claire has been out and about speaking to some very special ladies. Here she is with an exclusive interview with Shannon and Cherise Hilton.
6: So, ladies, I thought the way to kick off this little chat would definitely be yesterday. Obviously, a pretty good day in the office for you both. Many congratulations on the silverware. How did you feel at once?
7: Do you want to speak quick? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I thought it was a really good run out for me. Um, this is Cherise, by the way. <laughs> um, it's my second fastest time over the 200. Um, obviously, we would have loved to have had two rounds, um, do the semi and then a final, but it was a straight final. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy. I'm just hoping I get the third spot for the European under-23s and uh, hopefully I'll find out soon. Um, but yeah, I was really happy with it i was quite happy to um come away with the time i did because this is my second 200 race of the year so i've had quite a few um setbacks building up to the outdoor season so i've been meaning to race and meaning to race and finally i was able to race last weekend in geneva and then i was able to get another race out yesterday obviously like Cherie said i would have loved to have had a heat or semi and then a final um but obviously sometimes you can't just get your way um so it was just a straight final and it's nice to get another race um and now it's just on to european team champs for the relay and then senior trials in birmingham
6: british champs on the horizon both of you which events are you hoping to be competing in
7: um i'm hoping to do the 400 i think this season my main aim was to get the qualifying for the european under 23s in the 400 um but my coach and i because I couldn't chase the time I wasn't able to chase the time um, within the deadline my coach and I played it safe hence why I did the 200 at the trials Um, but I'm just hoping to run really well there hopefully come away with the PB and then off the back of that you know just see where the season goes and just keep chasing times
6: because obviously we didn't see nearly enough of you last season Sharice 400s this year
7: yeah, definitely. Um, Last year was very difficult for me. Um, It's my first proper injury, actually. So I was out for the whole season. I didn't do one 400 metres. So for me, my coach and I just said this year is a comeback season. Just find, find the love of the sport again, because obviously when you're injured, you're at your low and it's just really hard to bounce back from that mentally as well as physically. Um, so for me it was just kind of finding my love with the sport again, finding love with my 400 again and getting back to it and I'm really happy with where I'm at, I've got a solid team around, around me so I'm just really happy with where my season is at so far.
6: And having your sister there the whole time must be an enormous help.
7: Yeah, it's amazing. She's been with me every step of the way from, you know, when we were doing it just for fun at at, um, our local track once a week and to now when we're doing it professionally as a career, you know, she's been with me every step of the way and I can't, I can't thank her enough for that. She motivates me daily. And, uh, you know, in those horrible sessions, she's always there, like, come on, Cherise, come on, (laughs) Cherise. And it's just, it's really great that she's there with me and I just love her for that.
6: I mean, I'm a bit biased. I've done a couple of 400 sessions back in my very, very amateur days and they were the worst things on earth. Who has the most horrible sessions?
7: Yeah, Uh, I think it's safe to say that I've got the worst sessions. (laughs) I've pulled the short straw, but everyone's like, oh, my God, why did you do 400? And the answer is it chose me, so... You know, I'm just happy with where I'm at and, you know, it's not going to be easy. No training is easy and nothing comes easy. So you've got just got to put the work in and I'm happy with where I'm at.
6: Shannon, British Championships, what about yourself?
7: Yeah, I'll be focusing on the 200 metres at the British Trials. I ran the qualifying for the World Champs as well as the under 23 standard. So I'm just excited to see. Um, it's just going to be an exciting competition, I think, yeah. I haven't PB'd yet in the 200, but it's coming. Like, I'm on the comeback, so... Yeah, I'm excited. Like, last year probably wasn't the best of seasons. Um, like, it was up and down, up and down. I had quite a few new things. Like, I'd have one injury and then I'd sort that out and then another one would crop in and then another one and another one. It just wasn't the smoothest of journeys at all. So, yeah, I'm kind of like Cherise. I'm on the comeback as well. And But, yeah, I'm healthy now, so I'm just excited. to really.
6: And I guess coming back from an injury, you've got that fire back in your belly, everything to prove...
7: I'm just so, I'm so hungry, and just want, I'm so excited to race, like, I, I finished Bedford and I was like, I want to go again, <laughs> <laughs> I want to race again, I was so excited, because you just, I just missed, like, having the, the pre-race nerves, and it's just something I've missed, and I haven't been, haven't competed at Bedford, like, since 2015, and I, I just missed the place, I, I missed the atmosphere, I missed just the competition vibe, yeah, it was just really nice to be back. One thing
6: that struck me looking at... So I looked at your Bedford results and then kind of had a trawl back through the standard pre-interview power of 10 stalk. And it's occurred to me just for how long you two have been competing at the highest level in the country. You've both been running at British Champs since you were under 20s. Do you think you're by now pretty accustomed to the big stage?
7: Personally, I I think I always get nervous. Um, Any competition that I do, I just always get nervous because I always want to perform well. Um, So it's more of a pressure on myself that I want to do well rather than the people that are there i mean obviously it does have an effect on you but i just get nervous anyway um but it's a good nervous you know you just want to go out there and do well and i don't think there's anything wrong with that
6: ladies it is in case you weren't aware women in sports week
7: it's Jeez. just started
6: um and i exactly a indeed it's fantastic um and i thought the perfect springboard for talking about that would be jasmine sawyers pulling out of her meat with debilitating period pains um i read a few articles recently, all infuriatingly written by men, which is just madness, but saying that menstrual cycles are kind of the final taboo in sports. You just don't hear people speaking out about it. How amazing was it that Jazz actually posted that as her reason for putting out of the meat
7: yeah it was very it's a very understandable thing personally for me i understand where she's coming from because i get everyone obviously experiences different problems different issues and for me i get quite a few um achilles issues and hormones go up and down and you just don't know how like it's uncontrollable sometimes so yeah i very much understand where she's coming from and i can relate entirely to it a hundred percent um i think it was great that she came out you know it's a it's a fact it's, you know, it's something that happens in life to women and people need to understand that. And I think that the fact that she came out so bravely and so she she did it in such a controlled manner as well. And the way that she responded to the hate as well was just incredible. And I was really happy that she kind of put that out there for us as women, as sports women as well, because it does have an adverse effect on our performance.
6: Which is why someone as articulate as jazz is such an asset to the sport, because I think Women in Sports Week is about expanding opportunities for women, but also giving them a platform to speak out. And you two are fabulous on social media. Very outspoken, loads of personality, really regular posters. You've garnered real followings as a result. Although, actually, at the moment, all you seem to tweet about, Cherise, is Love Island. Um, <laughs> so that all goes way over my head.
7: <laughs> Do you Do not want it? Sorry? Do you not watch it? I don't watch Love, uh,
6: okay, Love Island. Oh, you're missing no. out.
7: It's, like, every
6: day, isn't it? And I just don't have time.
7: Oh, no, it's fantastic.
6: So I should find some time that's and sit really down lovely. and catch up. It's our guilty pleasure,
7: isn't it, Shannon? Yeah. It? So that and Hollyoaks.
6: Love Island and Hollyoaks, OK. Yeah. Oh, okay. maybe I could stop watching athletics and start watching that. If that's a good idea. Next time Diamond League's on, I'll be like, no, wait, Cherise said that Love Island's way better. <laughs> You remember me. (laughs) thank you for the tip but as women with this fantastic reach do you feel a responsibility to be role models or to speak out on issues like this how does the pressure of that platform affect you
7: on such a a global stage um personally i just feel like i put whatever i put out there i don't want people to misconstrue it in any type of way so i make sure that my wording is quite you know it's on point and things like that talking about things personally I'm obviously sensitive to things like that that is a sensitive topic but for Mm -hmm. me personally I want to put my personality out there and Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be kind of tainted by just the whole oh you're an athlete this that and the other you know you need to be you need to put your personality out there you need to get your opinions out there and I think that's important.
6: I had a quick Google of female athletics role models before our chat today, and it was basically a page full of images of Jessica Ennis-Hill. Who are your own role models in the sport?
7: Personally, um, Jessica Ennis-Hill, she's incredible. Um, First of all, from what she did in 2015 coming off the back of having a baby, that's just mind-blowing and also I just admire her humility in this sport she's so humble mm-hmm. with everything that she's achieved she just remains true to herself she's not big-headed or anything she mm-hmm. just takes everything in her stride and I just love her for that and also for me personally Christina Hurugu um she's <laughs> she's my icon and uh the run in Moscow in 2013 I think it was where she broke the British record it's just amazing to see her composure down the home straight and power to get that victory it was mind-blowing as well and for me my role model is Alison Felix I feel like whenever someone thinks of an elegant runner or she just kisses the floor with such grace like she's so amazing and she's such an icon i think like a massive global icon she's won so many medals worldwide um at various competitions and she's just very she's just a very well-known athlete you know and yeah i think she's done amazing things for the sport like she gives back i thought I'm, I'm a huge follower of hers like snapchat and everything <laughs> like instagram twitter um and i just see what she does and she was injured last year and she came she had a knee injury last year and she's come back and she obviously she probably wanted to win gold at rio Um, She got pipped at the line by Sean But she's done so well for the last however many years she's been in the sport. She's just one of those people I always, always look up to. And since I was like a little girl, I've always aspired to be her. And yeah, she's amazing for me.
6: The values cropping up there sort of again and again, and those are fantastic athletes. I'm an enormous Felix fan myself. But the values there that were sort of really prevalent, I think, were humility, determination and positivity. Would you say those are kind of three key things for female athletes to be putting, actually any athletes to be putting out there?
7: Definitely. Being humble is one of the most biggest things because you're always going to have, well, in the life of an athlete, not everything's going to be plain sailing. And on your way up, you can easily come back down and you need to be respectful to those people who helped you back up because who helped you on your way up because you can easily come back down and you have to be humble and remember that it's a journey and you enjoy the journey you enjoy the process and positivity as well um, because athletics is probably 80% mindset and 20% ability and once you have a positive mindset and a determined and a determined mindset um, I feel like mindset is probably one of the biggest things that an athlete has control of 100% and you know, it has been proven that some people who have got that mental ability, that strong mental ability, um, actually surpass those who have been deemed to have the stronger physical ability. So, you know, where where your mind is, your body will follow. Um, so it's just getting that balance right. And on the day, anything can happen. I'm
6: particularly person with Women in Sports Week because that is all about raising awareness and encouraging girls to get involved. And if what you're saying is true, then as soon as girls are involved if they can foster those positive thoughts around sport, then, you know, we've got a new generation of athletes coming up, or not even athletes, just girls who engage in sports and want to get active.
7: I think that sport right now is in a very good place for women. I feel like it's not so um, based around just looking thinner and looking just good in bikinis and stuff like that. I think it's more about fitness and health and, you know, like, it's it's not it's the, the norm or the the trend around fitness is changing so yeah i'm really um looking forward to well the future in sport for women as well yeah, i'm
6: all about the hashtag strong not skinny movement i think it's wonderful yeah
7: yeah so mm-hmm. i know who
6: your role models are and um, obviously you two coming on as quickly as you are you will very soon be held up by yourselves as sort of figures who inspire a generation of aspiring athletes. What advice would you give those girls? And actually to girls in general, what are the things that you wish you'd known when you started off on your athletics careers?
7: One word of advice I would give to young girls starting out in any sport is to educate yourself given in an athletics scenario for example say rocking up to training doing the session and coming back home it's not it's not good enough you know you need to do the things in between like stretching watching your diet and things like that because it's those little things that will make the difference coming up to a competition Mm -hmm. um and I can vouch for both of us Shannon (laughs) when we when we were younger um we would do that and it cropped up on us um and now we're paying we're paying the price for it um you know our diet isn't it's getting there, it's improved a lot, a lot, a lot. But over the years where we've lacked, you know, say Omega 3 and things like that, it's really caught up on us in terms of bone bone, bone structure structure and things like that. Um, And also I would say, make sure that you have a team around you, like a really strong team around you. It doesn't have to be big, but just make sure you've got, those people that are fighting your corner in your team because they're the ones that are going to make the difference they're the ones that are going to make it or break it for you so for us our setup is Ryan our coach and his team you know we've got a great team of physios a great group of athletes Mm -hmm. in our squad who support us so much and you know in the horrible sessions that I've got you know they're always willing me on and it's it's that little thing that makes the difference as well Mm -hmm. and also finally do it for the love of the sport no one really wants to do anything. And that's just not infinite in sport in general. No one really wants to do anything if you don't love it. You know, it's just going to feel like a chore and you have to be in it for the long run because at the end of the day, you are going to have your ups and your downs. But, you know, it's enjoying that journey, enjoying that process. that's going to make that victory that little bit sweeter. The life of an athlete isn't always plain sailing. You are going to have... you. It's inevitable you are going to have... Um, a few hiccups and it's those things you've just got to anchor onto the 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 initial reason why you fell in love with the sport you've got to hold on to it because that will get you through it and that will put you in that mindset about why you're here in the first place especially through those hard times
6: you're talking about having a team around you you two always have a team because it seems that you're completely inseparable. And as I said before we hit the record button, I have had hardly any idea throughout most of this interview which one of you is talking to me. <laughs> oh, God.
7: <laughs> do, yeah, we do sound very We do sound, like, yeah.
6: But what matters is that you're both articulate and enthusiastic, and it's clear that you encourage one another, and you've made a colossal difference to the other's progress as an athlete. And I read an article, I think it was in the Daily Mail a few years ago, and they got <laughs> you and the two Nielsen twins yeah, and yeah. spoke about and did this sort of sister-sister piece, which was really lovely. And I think taylor swift should be really worried with her squad and her girl <laughs> her because actually in british South we've got this incredible core of young female athletes like yourselves coming up um what's it like being a part of such an incredible sisterhood
7: oh i think it's a privilege yeah it's um, honor, honestly it's like an honor like we're just being ourselves we're just doing what we love and To be amongst such great company is actually a privilege. It's nice to feel recognised. It's nice to having people acknowledge what you're doing and working hard because we work so hard and, you know, we spend hours training, travelling to and from training. Um, and it's just nice, and
6: I feel honoured. Because athletics is, on paper, an individual sport, but the way that you two talk about it and everything that I see from following all of you guys on social media, it's not an individual sport. Sure, you're you're by yourself in a lane in a sprint race, but there's so much more to it than that when you train together and you live together.
7: So much more yeah, than that. So That's much. why there's such a big emphasis on the team that you've got around you. You've got yeah. to make sure you've got such a strong team around you, you know, because um, that can... Make all the difference. Massive difference. No man is an island, especially in sport. You know, you've got the physios, you've got mm-hmm. all the behind the scenes <laughs> thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, behind the glamour of the medals, you've got everyone working away in the background doing mm-hmm. their little bit, you know. So no one no, no one's an individual mm-hmm. in sport. No
6: one. Girls, I'm gonna put you on the spot and bring it all kind of together. It's women in sport week. What do you, as a woman in sport, want to be able to look back on this season and say about yourself and what you've achieved?
7: I've been healthy, I've been able to compete at my best and hopefully I will have done myself um, justice with the work I've done and I've been an inspiration to those who have come back from injury. Yeah, and for me personally, I want to... I want to find the love with my sport again, and I feel like I have found it yet, but in the future and at trials, I really just want to do myself justice there and put down a really solid time, and hopefully all my training would have paid off, and I'm just really excited to see where this goes.
6: i like to think that in a couple of years' time I'll be chatting to the next Hilton Twins, and they'll be telling me that their role models are U2, and you 2 by that point will have achieved all of that. Thank you so much for speaking to me. today. Well, this
2: is a really courageous bid by Steve Kram, as he judged it right... Gonzalez in second place, the
0: weaker is not beaten yet! So, this welcome Claire into the studio to say thank you very much for that interview. It was really interesting, stuff we don't really hear very often.
6: My pleasure, it was so great to speak to them both. Um, I know it's due to getting slightly edgy, maybe feeling threatened <laughs> to have some other athletics-loving twins on the board. <laughs> maybe not the most famous twins suddenly on our audio. Just <laughs> saying. Um, it was great to speak to the girls, some really interesting topics. They didn't shy away from anything, I before we had our conversation I said is there anything you would not be prepared to speak about so obviously we were speaking about what it means to have the platform of an international athlete and the pressures that come with it and they were like no go for it talk to us about these difficult issues and we'll do what we can so that's
0: lovely well I mean it's great for you to talk about that because being boys back straight boys as it is it's not an area of expertise of ours so <laughs> it was great to have you talking and explain something that a lot of men don't understand and as you said like all the people who were writing about those kind of issues are men. So it's something that doesn't get covered.
6: Exactly, as we've discussed, what well, you boys discussed earlier, women's sport doesn't even get in the sports sections half the time. It's, Michael Phelps wins a medal, and then it's mentioned in a footnote, oh, Kate Ledikievo yes. broke eight world records in her sleep last night, but she gets a sentence.
0: Yeah. So women's who's, who's the, um, the swimmer, I can't remember her name, whose husband was her coach, and basically he got all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Katerina... Hosu, Hosu, Was it Hosu? Yeah. I stick um, to
6: dry land most of the time. I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah. No, there was a... Basically, he, her husband was a coach and they kept talking about how he'd transformed and he'd done this and he'd done that. And the idea was like, no, she she did all the hard work. He just stood at the side shouting, you know. In
6: 50 years time, when we finally have no glass ceiling and it's an equal landscape, we will call this the Amal Clooney Syndrome. <laughs> Poor people being referred to by the names of their male spouse.
0: it's very proud of athletics. And the thing is about athletics, it does really... Um, offer something for everybody. It does. Like, totally. it's not a male-dominated sport no. like football. There is women totally across-the-board equality, and I think that's shown in the way that it's presented, but also in the fans. Fans are very equal as well. Yeah, totally true, yeah. And um, also what's interesting is, if you think of the very biggest um, start, obviously, for the last decade or so has been Yusin Bolt, but if you look along the way... There's plenty of really big named females. And you think of it like American sports, actually. American, um, you go on the message boards, the ones the hardcore fans are all about is the Alex and Felixes. It's um, <laughs> Sanya Richards. Richards, isn't it? The ones I get really, really obsessed with. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, it's only relatively recently in athletics that there has been equality. Yes. I mean, it was only, what, in 97, 99, I think the Hammer and the Pole Vault were introduced. Yeah. So apart from the heptathlon, not being the decathlon, which is another... that We could actually that's a whole podcast in itself. And not having a 50k walk, it is totally comparable across um, all the fields. And even in the cross-country recently, they've equalised the distances, which absolutely needed to be done. So... Athletic- we do moan a lot about athletics but at least you know, this, here's something we can actually say in a positive light yeah.
6: and I'm, I'm absolutely loath to talk about women in sport and parity and then bring it back to something as sort of flippant as the way that you dress and the way that you style yourself but I think that athletics, the individual nature of it and the fun that athletes have with their appearance like, these girls are so stylish they are so athletic and they are so just gorgeous in the way that they are so confident and terrific at what they do and just as you heard with the Hiltons we talk about how athletics is one of the sports that, more than any other, is furthering um, strong, not skinny. Yeah. These incredible role models, and I wish more girls would watch athletics and see Jessica Ennis Hill, see Sanya Richards Ross, see these women who are completely unashamedly strong, and all the more fantastic for it.
0: But in, especially like in the throws as well, people like. Um... Valerie, I think we're going to mention Valerie. Um, <laughs> she, she, she's, she's, Sandra Perkovic, who's looking ripped this year. Yeah. Um, there's all these different body shapes, like you're tall, you're skinny, you're big, you're strong. And it's really, it is very important to see that. And what's also really interesting is there's this kind of idea that, you know, you hear people sort of joking about oh like Russian shotputters putters and that, um, or hammer throwers, as if they're these great big sort of fat, bulky women and they're just not, you know, they're like they're like really big and strong, but they're not they're not kind of the um, ogres that people are caricaturing them as are they? They're actually like fantastically athletic. Mm,
6: and even if they were to be, they'd be entirely worthy of all of the praise you've because they can throw a metal
0: ball <laughs> at meters. It's fun <laughs>
6: Great to chat to the girls. Uh, really interesting, and British champs are gonna be huge. Well, I'd say they have, they'll be,
0: they'll both be at the trials next weekend. We'll be at the trials. We'll be at the trials weekend, weekend. Doing a little little special from I there.
2: Closing, but Graham has kicked off. He's seven meters clear, and the Olympic champion from Morocco is wallowing behind Graham at the moment, with just over two hundred to go. So Claire,
0: I understand that you're one of the very, very few. I think there's only two people in the whole world who understand the qualifying for the for the uh, <laughs> for London 2012. Because it gets very complicated, lots of different criteria. So maybe you could just do a quick little explanation of what people need to do to make sure they are actually in the stadium in August.
6: OK, watch me now get this wrong and get ripped apart from this on Twitter. But I read the entire PDF on the tube on the way here. <gasps> that must it took, have
0: taken hours. It
6: took the entire 19-minute journey, and I, I think I've got it. So if you want to run for Great Britain in August, you need to be one of two things to definitely have a spot. That is Diamond League champion from last year, so Laura Mio, 1500, or the defending world champion. So we've got Mo in both of his events and Greg Rutherford in the long jump. Right. Then comes the British <laughs> Charles and it all gets a whole world more complicated. You need to come first or second in your event and or be European champion. <laughs> I know, I know.
7: <laughs> okay, I didn't know we that have one.
6: Two defending European champions, Martin Rooney and Dina Asher-Smith, and then the times come into it, and that's a whole other kettle of fish because the times are devilishly tough times and distances for some of these events are nigh on I would say impossible outside of a major competition yeah. For men the long jump it's I think it's 820 it's 675 for the women it's 194 for the high jump
0: and are these because um, we always have the IAAF um, um, standards, standards and then the Britain often just throws in some arbitrary um, like harder ones so are these IAAF standards or UK standards the vast that we're majority
6: about? of them are the same so right. they've mostly stuck to the IAAF ones the marathon ones are bizarrely different uh, but the marathon qualifiers obviously happened in London, mm, yeah. so that's all sorted. Then, if you're outside of one or two, so if you come in three, four, all the way down to ninth in however the finals might work out, you could still go to London. Then there's about eight different criteria. A panel will sit down and decide based on those. Those are things like injury, history at previous major champs, head to heads, possibility to be a podium finisher, podium potential. Event. I love go that one. That's London. the one they
0: just make up to just put people they like in
6: and then it's just whoever the selectors want it's very wishy-washy it's the those factors come in whatever order the selectors choose and then there's that final clause yeah. that clause H or something at selectors discretion and that is where you will fall foul if they don't want you there and what drives me insane is that I know for a fact we won't have three
0: athletes in every event. Yeah. So. No. I mean, so that is now clear as mud, yeah? <laughs> um, but you do hope that as it is the, a championship in Britain, like we had the Olympics here five years ago, you hope, which they didn't do then, they fill every potential spot. Now, we actually assumed last year coming up to Rio that there was going to be loads of empty spots and they did a pretty good job of filling them all. There were some, obviously, you know, some exceptions. But as it's a home games and we don't have that extra expense or an excuse, you would hope that every single possible um, spot is filled. Do we think that's going to happen?
6: Categorically not. They never will do, despite the fact that it's on the little PDF that I downloaded, the absolutely bamboozling document I read, begins with saying this is a home champs and we want lots of people there. It won't happen. And I do not understand because it's that's not an expense thing. Mm. It's not going to cost them money. It's not going to risk injury by athletes getting jet lagged and racing when they're out of shape. Athletes will hop on a bus to travel to the athletes'. They can stay at my
0: house if they like. You know, I'm only like a mile away. Um, <laughs> the um there was that argument going back a few years that Charles Cook Ben Comedy used to say about you didn't want failure in the team. So you didn't want to start off the the championships with lots of people who weren't really good enough to be there coming in, failing, and bringing the whole team down with them. But I think um, that, that, that wasn't valid. I think that is valid. But the qualifying standards now are so yes. high that anyone who gets it is it should be there really. My my worry, and this isn't really this is not really the selection This is on the athletes. It's the end of June. It's a, it'll be July before the trials. And a lot of people haven't competed. Yeah. or certainly haven't competed a lot, and haven't got the qualifying standard. So they're waiting to get the qualifying standard at the trials. And, it and could if be not, it could, who knows what's going yeah. to happen at the trials? And then they've got one week because the diamond, to the diamond league to actually um, get the qualifying We don't have a lot of people competing at diamond leagues, do we? I mean, you watch every year. And you same same few people. Same few people who come out every year. I mean, like Ailey for example, or, or Laura, you know, who did really well both last year. Um, they compete a lot at diamond leagues, but. Other athletes, you just don't see at all, do you? We
6: have things like the BMCS and the Grand Prix where people do go out and they do hunt down times very successfully, which I think is why. And in a bit, we'll probably end up talking about this. We have so many women with qualifying yeah, standing yeah. because they get out and they race. And you're right. And that the way to race well, for the majority of athletes, apart from like Christina Horagoo, is to race <laughs> yourself into fitness. You need outings. You need to hear a gun. You need to break some tape.
0: There are some events this year that there are a lot of people with qualifying. I think there's seven in the Women's 1500. So that is brilliant. Because, But also what's really important is because Laura's already qualified, we can actually take four in that event. Oh. Is so that how it works? Yes. I didn't yes. that. That's
6: wonderful. Yes. yes.
0: I'm pretty sure that's... Just thought yes. of that. So we can point. take four in the Women's 1500. But that means it's going to be a right old burn-up at the trials. And it's something we don't see very often. And in a trials event, it's not necessarily going to be fast... It, people are going to have to play to their strengths. Now Laura Whiteman hasn't got the quickest of quick sprint finishes. She's got. She'll probably be better taking it out from further away. Some of the other girls have a sprint finish. Yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting race. The other one I'm looking forward to is the men's two hundred. Oh. <laughs> that was a response. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fantastic. Arnold Hughes, who became British like a couple of years back and hasn't really done much since, you know, through, through injury and that, but he seems like he's in, in form this year, whereas Adam, who obviously we all love, has not really seen a lot of Adam this year, so are we going to get like, the new people knocking out the old... I said the old guy, they're only in the 20s, aren't they, <laughs> early 20s. But the, um, Nathaniel Mitchell-Blake, Nathaniel, Blake, yeah, who... Obviously, way up there and could be definitely could be considered. Yeah, you've got like old, old, um, I say old, I've got to stop saying old, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> but like someone like Danny Talbot, you I mean, know, so, so consistent, so consistent. So you're trying to trust that he's going to be in that top three, don't you?
6: And then I think that's when it that comes really interesting in the sprints because the selectors are going to be favouring relay runners. Yeah. So then, if you're a 200 specialist, if you never really run a four by one, that discounts you
0: slightly. perhaps yeah. so. Also, someone like Reese Prentice, yes, who he potentially a relay runner. And is obviously very talented. Hasn't had a chance to really be in the relay team yet. Does that make him not a relay runner? Does it? Is he? A, is he on the relay squad? Well, who knows? If he wins, then it's all becomes new, isn't it? So this this, this is why it's so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but also, some of those two hundred meter runners potentially are doubling up. So mm. how does that work? Because it trials is only three days. So it's only two now. Two We've days condensed it down to two. Good, but that's not good for the sprinters. <laughs> the, um, what's actually interesting is. It looks like it could be a quite a good trials, you know. Yeah. Sometimes the trials, you know, again, we used to go all the time, we still sometimes go, but not every year that like we used to. Because sometimes I've sat there, and just been looking at my watch. You know, sometimes when there's absolutely no depth or people don't show up, there was one year when two women showed up for the 5,000 metres, wasn't there? No, it was one turned up for the 10,000 metres. <laughs> Did she
6: do a solo time trial? No, they,
0: they put her in with the uh, men's men or something like that. But, you know, there's, there's been a lot of time when it been really, really skimpy. And then what also happens is you get those years when all the big stars start dropping out or pulling out just before, which is really, really bad. It's really bad for the sport. It's really bad for the BBC. You've got to show it. It's really bad for all those people who pay to get tickets. I really feel like there has got to be something brought in, like they have in America. If you want to go, you've got to show your face. I don't care if you're in a plaster and you just come and sign all too fast for the kids. You know, you should be showing your face at that um, trials so that people get the money's worth.
6: Also, speaking of filling spots in the roster, and um, we've been talking about having athletes not performing well, bringing down the morale in the camp. But ultimately, like, why, pardon my French, like, why the hell are these athletes sat making so many sacrifices and spending their own, you know, 20 years of their lives dedicated to the sport if they're not going to get put on the proverbial plane? It doesn't matter if they don't qualify for the final. Let them wear their vest. Let them compete.
0: I love the fact that your French is hell. <laughs> <laughs> Our French is a lot, lot, lot worse. I love that. Um, no, I 100%, 100% agree with you. I totally, totally agree. I even think... If I have trained and put up all those 4AMs, you know, to put all that hard work in, I genuinely don't even think the selectors should should have the right... To say, you can't go, you know. It's not them who's getting up and, you know, sacrificing all that sacrifice. If you have the qualifying, if you've done what you need to do, there shouldn't be anything that stops you going just because the, um the selectors say so. I, I've got no time for that Because or... some people, their pinnacle might exactly. be going out in the first round. Yeah, That might be yeah. the best they're ever going to do. So let them do that. That's Definitely. their personal achievement. That's their prerogative, isn't it? Yeah. Cherise
6: spoke to me earlier about hormones being out of whack at certain in the month um, and I remember I was in a particularly emotional mood when I stumbled across Alison Lennon's <gasps> open letter after not being selected to go to Rio and oh it broke my heart it's so eloquent it's incredibly raw and we'll post the link to it yep. so those of you can go and read the whole thing but just a couple of lines if I may of course since when was being an Olympian not an inspiring and lofty enough ambition the culture of success which I believe the UK are building their policies on is valid in many ways but it discourages taking large teams. Management don't want to be responsible for athletes failing and exiting the competition in the qualifying rounds. Read that sentence again. Making the start line in the most prestigious elite sporting competition in the world can still be considered a failure in this philosophy.
0: Well, this is exactly what you were talking to Hazel, uh, Louise Hazel about earlier. She was saying just being an Olympian yes. to this day... People go, oh my God, they cannot believe that she was at the Olympics. Yeah. She came 22nd or 23rd, or it doesn't matter. She's an Olympian. Yeah. For an athlete, that is the pinnacle of their sport. Yes, it may not be getting a gold medal, but not everything's about gold medals. I'm very happy to watch someone go into a championships, set a PB. Like, Some of my all-time favourite athletics moments have got absolutely nothing to do with um, winning gold medals. You know, It's like with someone, I can't remember her name, but that amazing um, um, Japanese marathon runner. Um, who like, oh. dragged <laughs> dragged, like dragged herself over the line and dragged for 2007 dragged herself over the line it's like one of the most heart-wrenching you've ever seen but she did it she got a broad middle I don't remember who won you know <laughs> <laughs>
6: So when Hannah England produced the one hundred metres of her life yes. to win silver, when no one, had, you know, no one had heard of her outside of the die-hard athletics fans, and suddenly she was a household name for a week. When Shalena Oscar Clark, a breathless, barely out of her teenage years, Shalena Oskan Clark reached the finals of the eight hundred metres. That
0: is the thing I screamed about most at that whole championships. You know, I didn't scream more than for any one thing than someone making the, the final. You know, so that is what. Um, makes athletics a great sport. You know, it doesn't have to be the pinnacle, it doesn't have to be the gold. And also you can't make decisions about what people are going to no. do. I mean Paris petulidu <laughs> is probably the best example. <laughs> 1992, Olympic hundred um, meter hurdles, and Gail Devers is the massive favourite. Oh, well, Hits the last hurdle. Paris petulidu won the gold medal. You've never seen anything like it. <laughs> and if Greece had said no, we're not going to, we're not going to. Um... Yeah, because she might only scrape it to the sending. Yeah, things, all kinds of strange things happen all the time. People get inspired. People, someone else falls over. You never know what's going to happen. So you've got to be on the start line to actually to to give yourself a chance and to for uh, to, for the national um selectors to say no, we're not even going to give you that chance. For me and for ninety nine percent of fans, is not really acceptable. And let's hope the athletes perform to their best, and then it takes it out of the selectors' hands. Yes.
6: <laughs> Amen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be in Birmingham this weekend reporting and we'll have a pod out in the next two weeks. In the meantime, if everyone could just tweet us any thoughts about this pod, about last week's pod, anything they'd like us to talk about in the future and all their comments about the trials. And Graham, <laughs> away in sun,
2: and a be on the again, but the Moroccan can feel get there. It's going to be so close.
0: So you can find us at the Backstreet Boys on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. Also, if you see us in Birmingham, you know, come up and say hello, um, have a chat with us then. You can get on of Claire at Claire underscore G Thomas on Twitter. And Matt will be back next week to talk all about the trials. So a big thank you to everyone who contributed this week, to Louise Hazel, to um, Steve Pryor, to Kelly Southerton, the Hilton twins. <laughs> There's too many for me to remember. <laughs> but a big thank you to all of them and thank you everyone for listening. Four
2: and the world record has gone. Steve Olen's name has gone from the list to be replaced by, I believe, Steve Cram.